If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Star, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to Classic Conversations, episode 130. As always, I am your host, Jeff Duoskin. Great to have you back for more classicness. We've got tons of classicness lined up for you today. Yes, we do. Actress, writer, producer, creator, Summer Moore is with us to talk about her fabulous web series, Pandemic Pillow Talk, starring herself, Eric Roberts, and many others. Can't wait to share that conversation with you. Can't wait for you to check out the web series. Exciting times await you, and that is coming up in just a few minutes. Last week was our huge kickoff of the new name, Classic Conversations. Thanks for all the kind emails and notes. I love it too. Episode 128 and 129 were the official first episodes with the new name. Episode 128, don't miss that one. Stu Show Stack and his documentary and internet show, Stu Show. You got to check that out. It's awesome. If you love Lucille Ball, you'll love our deep dive into Lucille Ball learning about Stu and all the cool stuff he's done. And then episode 129 with Jim Piddick and his new book, Caught With His Pants Down. Such a fun conversation with Jim Piddick, a classic comedic actor. You loved him in Best in Show. You know the scene, the one with Fred Willard as they announced the dog show. It's a classic. He's everywhere, though. He's everywhere. So check those out. All available at jeffisfunny.com or on the socials at Jeff Dewaskin Show. I didn't change the socials. Didn't want to change everything at once. Didn't want, to, didn't want to create complete anxiety with my fans. So check that out. Also follow us on YouTube for the Crossing the Streams episodes. We do live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. So much Jeff Dewaskin. Not enough time. I get it. That's why we're coming at you right into your ears through this wonderful podcast. You don't have to go anywhere. Huge shout out to my brother, John Dwoskin. Check out his podcast if you're looking for sound business advice and business coaching. Think Business with John Dwoskin. Huge happy birthday. Check out his podcast. He's super cool. I'm on his live show very frequently, I'd say. We were just on, I was just on not too long ago, actually, talking about my startup, Stampede Social. You can check that out if you're into social media engagement and good stuff like that. I do want to thank everyone for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations, and that's how we keep the lights on. Today's interview sponsor is the Anytime Date app. That's right, the Anytime Date app, the only app that can sense when you're in trouble and you need a way out. On a bad date? Need an excuse to get out of there? Well, the Anytime Date app is here for you. Patent pending sensors recognize your elevated heart rate and increased sweat patterns and will automatically trigger one of hundreds of texts. Imagine being in a tight situation and suddenly, Jeff, I think there's something wrong with your ferret. We know you don't have a ferret, but your date doesn't know that. You just met them. Jeff, your alarm's going off at your house. Your date doesn't need to know it's your alarm clock that accidentally went off 14 hours before you meant to wake up. Play it off like there's some burglar in your house. I'm sorry, I've got to go. And get out of there as quickly as you can with the Anytime Date app, the only app that's got your back 24-7. All right, well, check that out. I know a lot of people that wish they had had that at one point in their lives. I think that's a great pivot to my conversation with Summer Moore. Summer Moore is a writer, producer, actress, and creator. She created this amazing web series that we're going to talk all about called Pandemic Pillow Talk. It's a nine-episode comedy web series starring Eric and Aliza Roberts. That's right, that Eric and Aliza Roberts. They filmed it 100% remotely during lockdown. She's going to tell us all about it. It's a great web series. 
about the follies of online dating. Tons of hilarious stuff. All of you have gone through the dating process that I know everyone will be able to relate to in one way or another. I'll put links in the show notes. You got to check it out. Support Summer. I'm going to put her links in there too. Follow her on all the socials. It's always fun having an interview with someone and then becoming buds with them after. So I'm really, really asking you to get to know Summer and then get to know her web series. Time for me to share my interview with Summer Moore with you. Enjoy. All right, everyone. I'm excited to introduce you to my next guest, actress, producer, writer, star of Pandemic Pillow Talk and writer and director, everything for that, actually. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Summer Moore. Hey, Summer. Hi, thank you. I'm not a director. That's the only thing I'm not. Well, I'm sure you did. you direct anything ever? Whatever. It's like you should be. Future (laughs) director, Summer Moore. (laughs) It's okay. Everybody throws that in there. You've literally done everything else that you have to have. uh, (laughs) If you haven't, you will. By the time someone hears this, I'm sure you'll have directed many things. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, Summer, thanks for uh, hanging out with me. I, I have a question for you. So let's, let's, I'd love to like to kind of always understand kind of the origin story, like how you got into acting. I was born in Utah, raised in Colorado, and then in college, you found your way to LA. At what point did, you know, theater was in your blood and you wanted to kind of go that route? I started doing plays like for performances for my family, like my little sister and I would dress up and do little plays while we were really little. So I always, I think, had it in me. And my grandmother at one point told me that when I was really little, I told her, I'm going to be a star. And so I guess I already had it in me. And then middle school, I did plays and drama and then high school. And then the whole plan was to come out to LA, go to USC, get a degree in a real degree, but then pursue acting. So that was the plan. Gotcha. So you minored in theater? Like what, yes. what, what is that? How does that whole process did, did having a literal degree in theater help or help in certain areas of where you ended up with screenwriting and all that kind of stuff? Or what's the curriculum for something like that in terms of prepping someone who wants to become a actress, writer, future director? <laughs> I don't want to direct. But okay, um, just so you know. Well, the minor, I mean, I have my degrees in environmental studies, and I thought that would be my fallback if I didn't, wasn't successful in the entertainment industry, I could just go get a real job and with the environment, and that would be a big thing. So I did the minor, which allowed me to take classes, but USC is very geared towards theater for some reason, even though they have a really good film program for directors and cinematographers and things like that. The acting program is still theater-based. So it was kind of disappointing at then that there were very little classes about getting into Hollywood. Like I took a class that was auditioning for the camera and that was like one of the only ones that wasn't theater-based. So the theater stuff was more doing plays, of course, learning how to act, learning some techniques, things like that, which carry over into Hollywood in film or TV. But it's definitely not I don't think you really got full on prepared for as an actor. You also are a business. You're a product like most actors out there, I think, don't what it seems to me is don't really know. You guys got to build up your social media. You have to promote yourself. You have to promote, promote. It's you're you're a product. It's not just like, oh, let me just get hired. I mean, unless you're born into a really successful family and they just wave the magic wand and you got parts. So, but for the actor that's working hard, they have to really put a lot of time in. And I don't really feel like at that time and that they really taught that kind of stuff about being a business and all the idiosyncrasies of Hollywood. It's a whole different thing than if I wanted to do theater, I would be going to New York personally. So I was, I was looking at your IMDb and we'll work our way up to a pandemic pillow talk. It'll be the big finish. Don't worry. <laughs> You're in some great movies, but it, they all said uncredited. So uh-huh. what does that mean in Hollywood terms? Like you're in Catch Me If You Can, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I hear that a lot from people. Yeah. And but uncredited. They, what, what does that even mean? I mean, you got paid. You were there. Right. I mean, like they just don't get put you in the literal credits. I mean, it's correct. I mean, I think what's, I can't remember the one where Matt Damon, it's the one that's in the, it's a sci-fi one and Matt Damon appears and he turns out to be like a cameo performance. 
And he's actually, I can't remember which one that was, but it was like all this big surprise that Matt Damon was in it because Thor? they don't put him in the credits. What? Thor? He was in Thor. I don't know. He played no. Loki. I don't know. No, no, no. It was, I can't remember which one, but it was a big secret. And okay. And so they don't put him in credits when, like for that, he never got a credit. So he's actually uncredited because it was supposed to be like, hush, hush. Sometimes you'll get uncredited when you've been cut out. And then sometimes when you've been cut out, you don't even get a credit. And just because you get cut out does not mean you were bad. It just means that, I mean, it could mean that too, but hopefully that's not what it means. That they just, it didn't work when they were doing the edit, then they decided we're going to cut the scene or whatever kind of thing. I mean, I did a horror film that I got uncredited for and I was in the opening cameo of it, but they turned out in the edit that the distributors felt like it just needed to get to the monster right away instead of like I was getting killed, but then I was, you weren't seeing the monster. So they cut me out. And so I got uncredited for that from that standpoint, which was disappointing. And a lot of people I think that don't know think, oh, you must've been bad. And that's why you cut, they cut you out. But it's so many factors. When I was interning in college, I was working for an agency and there was an actress that they represented that had a huge role in Titanic. And she was like a whole hour of Titanic. So the movie was even longer and she got completely cut out. You see her like barely in the background. So they just had to cut, you know, and that would have made her career and all that. So it wasn't that she was bad. So, I mean, there's various reasons that you get uncredited for it. Yeah. Yeah. People, I've talked to a lot of people where they're like, I'll bring up something. They're like, oh, actually, I I didn't make it into the final. (laughs) It happens all the time. But you're right. Titanic, James Cameron probably shot 50 hours of a movie, which ended up being 40 hours long. And uh, no, okay. But it was, you know, but like, you gotta make, you gotta make choices. You gotta make cuts. You know, they think something's going to work and they, they cut stories out. Kevin Costner Mm -hmm. got cut out of the big chill. Oh, really? He was the dead guy in the beginning. (laughs) I think like all the actual action. Yeah. That's That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of reasons you'll use uncredited. It's not just like one. So was it, what was, was it cool being, catch me if you can, if it says swimmers. So was that the scene where he's at the hotel and they're kind of, closing in on leo is that is that or was it a completely different scene was there other swimming scene yeah it's it's leo has a party at his house it's a 70s party he's in the 70s i think he's a doctor at that point no you're right it was his house i I was thinking about something else you're i mean they are closing in on him because tom hanks comes and like bus somebody's already gone by then so so is tom there is leo there do you get to hang with him on the set no i i got they were there i wasn't hanging but yeah (laughs) you could say you were there you were closer to him than i was it was awesome i mean i was just like oh my gosh like they were talking on the sidewalk and i was like excuse me and i had to like walk in between and i'm like oh my gosh these are like big dudes Oh, and Spielberg too, right? With Spielberg? Yeah. Yep. So you were directed by Spielberg, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're buds, you know. Just texted him earlier. No, um, it was a very cool set. It was it was hard because it was those kind of clothes. It's very it's a period piece and different wardrobes. You go through wardrobe fittings, and I'm five eight, five nine when I'm doing yoga, so I can be very tall and I don't have small feet. The wardrobe people were having the hardest time, like trying to find shoes and to do various things because I have a size 10, which is like they didn't have back then. So it's interesting from that standpoint. And then it makes you, if you feel insecure, like I've always felt insecure about my feet. And when they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with her? Like, and then you just feel like, oh my gosh, like make me feel worse that I'm not five, one and hundred pounds. So awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry that they body shamed your feet. That's wrong. Oh, that. <laughs> they, that was, that was, it's a horrible thing. And like Hollywood should be ashamed. My wife has a size five. She's got tiny feet and she, she would be jealous because she can't buy shoes at all. They don't make size five. So she would, she, she always wishes she had bigger feet. So really, I guess it depends oh, what know. side of the, you know, yeah. What side well, of the fence tens are, they're apparently a bigger thing, but they get all taken. So like, it's very hard to find cute shoes that are bigger because they're, I guess they don't make enough. There's a lot more women out there that need them than, than they make. So right. I know we didn't, we didn't know want to talk about size of shoes on here. So. Ah, you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. Welcome, you never to, do. welcome to feet talk with Jeff and Summer. It's <laughs> so true. Oh man. And then you were in fight club, but we can't talk about that. That and one that, I got cut out of. You did? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's, that's why. All right. Well, that's all right though. But it was still, did you, 
It's it's still cool. And, and I love the idea, just, you know, being a fan, but like just the idea that must have been cool just kind of being there and like, because even, you know, just seeing it, that's, uh, these are some iconic movies that you were. Yeah, it was awesome working with Brad Pitt. I had a huge crush on him at the time. So it was like, oh my gosh, I'm meeting Brad Pitt and what, starstruck. Well, yeah. I was so young. So, you know, it was all exciting. Everything was so brand new and exciting. And I'm meeting these, working with these huge huge a-list people they're still huge so it's like crazy you know that's awesome must be so yeah. fun how what was andy dick like <laughs> oh he it was a fun that was a lot of fun he's great at improv he's wild you know you never know where it's gonna go it's a lively set everybody's like i'm i've i recently reconnected with some of the crew on the Andy Dick show. And, and actually one of my friends is good friends with Andy Dick and I have a film festival as well. And at one point, I think we were talking about Andy Dick for something with that. I can't remember exactly, but it's sad. Like what happened to his career? Cause I, it, you know, I mean, he's, he was very creative, so it was fun. I mean, I love doing comedies. And so when you get what, what are we doing at this point? We're in a supermarket and we're dancing and we're like doing crazy stuff in a supermarket. Like who, who when do you get to do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's so I was looking at your website and there was a clip from the doctors and you just you just they pull you from the the audience to do yoga. But the part that kind of blew my mind was like, wait a minute, you're an actress. It's this is a set this they don't randomly pull people to do yoga. This they they had to go to uh, get an expert yoga player. Like uh made me question everything I've ever seen. Yeah, you should question (laughs) it. Yeah, it was all planned and I had a mic on, I, but it was like, well, it's like, you don't want to talk over the, like, I'm very cognizant of other people talking and I don't want to be like, and I'm stepping on your feet. So I was really hesitant about even speaking, even though I was mic'd up. So didn't really say much. I mean, we knew what I was going to be doing, although when she did she was supposed to guide these poses and then I was supposed to be like the model showing how to do it, but she was supposed to do it with me. And then she did like poses that aren't really poses. And I think the writers had written, okay, you're going to do such and such. And she's fit and she was all, but she didn't really, I don't know if she claimed she did yoga or she really didn't know, but she would start doing a position and I'd go into what it's really supposed to be. And then she'd, uh, uh, then she do something else. So then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just follow your lead and do what you're doing. But that's not really what you're supposed to be doing. And so it was, it was fun though. It was, I mean, there was a, they made me hold the bow position for quite a while. I don't know if you saw that. And it was funny because she was like, oh, my knee hurt. I can't do this. You know, it made me look like a rock star. And they were like making fun of her like, oh, okay, your knee's hurting. Okay. And here I'm having to hold this thing while she can't do any of it. So yeah, so it was all planned. I was booked and Sorry. Blew my mind. <laughs> Runes. I can't even watch TV anymore now. <laughs> oh, man. Going to all these random places. Didn't expect this, did you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> well, you know, I just want to. I was like, it's funny when you like, when you're researching someone and I was just like, uh, you know, you just, you know, I saw that your, your birthday is February 25th. So I was like, oh my God, you were almost born on leap day. It was so close. I wonder if your parents were like, oh my God, all right. <laughs> we don't want that. Well, I don't know if we had, I don't know if that was leap year. No, but well, I'm, I'm not you know, saying I'm, the year. Yeah, I guess you're right. But well, no, but it wouldn't. But if you were born on it every fourth year, it wouldn't exist. So mm-hmm. I know it was just a random thought that went through my head while I was doing this. So, um, <laughs> so you make a lot of your own movies and projects, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's your thing. And I, I, there was one that I thought that was pretty cool that we could work and that called The Warning. Mm-hmm. I, that was a satanic activity, kind of had a, a Blair Witch vibe, kind of yeah. like the found footage type thing. That was pretty cool because I saw you had some, you. some real news interviews I did with uh, in uh, Manitou Springs. Is that right? Manitou. Manitou. Manitou Springs. Yeah, what? which is actually, um, so the reason I did the warning was because that was my first feature that I produced. And I was trying to come up with something that would be diff- a different kind of story that that's other people in L.A. wouldn't have. And so I pulled from my roots of growing up in Colorado And I grew up in Colorado Springs and within Colorado Springs, there's a little suburb called Manitou Springs, which was always like the eclectic, fun, weird place to go. But it was the devil worshiping capital of the Western world. And when I was in high school, there was like the satanic panic and things like that going on. And there was satanic activity that went on down in Manitou. 
And it was like, I, I never went to go witness it, but I would talk to friends and whatnot. And so I thought that would be really cool because that's a real story. It really was apparently Anton LaVey, who was the founder of Church of Satan, lived in Manitou. But in my research, I did, I found that wasn't true. Mm. But uh, anyway, so I took real experiences. I interviewed some people from high school and various things and got like their experiences of what they did when they would go down and try to find these Satanists. And then just kind of interwove a lot of the true stories within fictional thing. Very cool. Yeah. Is doing your own productions and your own projects, is that, is that something that you do to create, to get other people's attention? Or do you want to, to get acting jobs with other, you know, in other productions or just to, or is it something that that's your path? Like, this is what you want to do. It's just just Um, always create your own stuff, start your own people coming to you with scripts you're producing not directing, producing, we're going to get someone else to direct it. But, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Like, is that, is that your niche? That's a good question. It's not, the reason I got into writing and producing is not, it was out of necessity. I mean, in an end all perfect world, I would have just been acting. I wouldn't have said that I would, maybe my career wouldn't have transitioned anyway into writing and producing as well, naturally. But because acting, it's such a, who you know industry and if you just right place right time a lot of it it's really not it's just a game of chance and i was going through agents like this is the normal thing you get an agent you think they're going to do wonderful for you they tell you which headshots you should get work on your resume get everything all set and then they start trying to get you auditions and you're not getting auditions and they don't know why you have a great headshot, you have a great resume, you have all a reels good. I don't know what the problem is. And then eventually your contract with them wears out, you jump ship, you go to the next one. And then you do this process over and over and over. And I did it so many times and it was very frustrating because agents would say, what? I don't know what the problem is. Why aren't you getting auditions? And it's not like I'm crappy at the auditions and that's why no one's, I'm just not even getting in the door, you know? So I eventually started writing for other reasons. And then the producing fell in line because I was tired of waiting around for other people to get my, make my career happen. And at the time it is very important for actors to create their own stuff because just cause you're not getting roles on the walking dead or roles co-starring next to Jennifer Lawrence or things like that. And you shouldn't just wait around for that. So if you can create your own stuff, make your way with that, that gives material for your representation to be able to pitch you better. And if one of those takes off, then that's great. That's better for them. So I did it to help me be seen, but also I am creative and I love writing and I love coming up with things. So no, I love acting in other people's stuff. It's I kind of gave up on the representation route after so many times of this thing and really felt in my intuition that I the way that I was going my career was going to go was all through people I know and getting parts and things like that. Like, so it's not, it's been more out of necessity, not to say that I wouldn't still do these kind of stories because they're fun. And I have a lot, I love doing creating stuff, but I, I mean, I'd love to be working on a lot bigger projects and not having to only do my own stuff. I mean, I do work on other people's stuff, but not like I'd like to be doing so. But it'd be so. cool. But it'd be cool to be able to chart your own path too. It's a, it's an empowering story. To be, if one, if something were to explode, and then just you know, yeah, either take that path and create an entire show around pandemic pillow talk or a spinoff of it, right? That's the goal with this. I mean, this is pandemic pillow talk is a spinoff of another short I did called As and Kevin. So then this was a spinoff. And now I'd like to do a spinoff of this and have a different title and whatnot. And it would be online dating in the real world, but do it with a streamer or a studio. So we have a good size budget and can like rocket uh, a limited series, like a uh, 30 half hour, um, very similar to like what Fleabag did on Amazon. Got it. So uh, I watched as and Kevin hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, great. Thanks. <laughs> of course. I, uh, um, so how did that come about? That that's sort of like kind of the origin of pandemic pill talk in that you built it's a it's the prequel, if you will, I guess. Right. I yeah. Like how did that that short come about in terms of just putting it all together, coming up with the idea, writing it? Like how how does one put together an entire self-production like that without the backing of 
a huge studio. And just in, just at some point mentioned who did direct it. And who did, who, who did direct, direct it? it. A, oh, you're <laughs> so saying. funny. Um, the, that one we shot in a day. I mean, a lot of these things, when you're doing indie productions and you don't have a ton of money, you, it's kind of amazing how many you'll do. Most people would not do all of that in a day. So it was a lot of work and it was exhausting. That monologue that I'm doing in the parking lot was like at three or four o'clock in the morning. So, and we got like one take of it. So good thing I... Well, when you say it. a day, like how many literal hours were you shooting? Because I mean, to two two minutes can take five hours, right? I mean, like yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. It turned out to be a ten minutes without the credits, eleven minutes with the credits, and I don't remember how long, how many pages it was. I'll say ten or eleven. Usually, an estimated is one page equals one minute, but it tends to be with comedy, it's shorter because you're doing quicker cuts. So a normal film production is a twelve hour day. And we were definitely into overtime. So I don't remember if we went 14 hours or whatnot, but most people probably would have divided that into a couple of days, if not three or four. I mean, so that you have plenty of time, but we had multiple cameras and we just had to knock it out. I mean, we had that location for free and we were limited on money. So, so where did, how to come out? Well, it came about through me. A lot of those stories are about my online dates. And then I just expanded on them or other people's stories, like the ice cream bit where the girl's shoving ice cream in her mouth. That was somebody's online date. So it just came about that I wanted to, I guess I wrote it and we wanted to do it and pitched it to people and got them on board. And um, the director of that came from another short that I did prior to that called The Karma of Happiness. And actually I had another director slated for as in Kevin, but he was tied up with a big Sony TV show and was going to have to push the shoot. And like a week before the shoot, he told me this and I, I, I had already everything all set up. We would lose the location, all the work I'd already done for producing. And I said, I, I just have to go ahead. So then I talked to the guy that had done the karma of happiness and he said, well, I'll do it. And so that's how that came about. Excellent. Well, I I thought it was hilarious. I really did. It was really really funny. The one girl cracked me up. Um, the one that just had broken up. The ice cream girl. Yeah. 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 Ten hours, fifteen. Yeah, hers was. Yeah, that was a fun character to write and to get her to be obnoxious. Like you could hear her yelling in the building, and it was like, oh my gosh, like it was. That was. I mean, often when you're writing characters for your or playing the lead, you have to be the one that's not crazy. Like I do in pandemic pillow talk, it's still the same character, but I have to be the one that you relate to. If I'm just totally nuts, like all the dates, then you're just watching nuts people. Like if on Seinfeld, everybody was Kramer. We, it's not relatable. You know, you've got to have somebody that's at least of, okay, maybe they have some off things, but they're not, usually they're not, as fun to play because you can't be crazy, but overall it's just kind of the way, or else you can do like a supporting character or whatever kind of stuff. Right. You need to balance the stress levels. Otherwise it becomes so anxiety ridden to watch the show. You can't deal with it. (laughs) Right. You you need that balance of characters. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about pandemic pillow talk. This is uh your new episodic feature. That's a sequel or spinoff or of As In Kevin. You play the same character. I will say Eliza Roberts is mm-hmm. hilarious. Like, I mean, everyone's great, but I just want to talk about her for one second. I know. She, Everybody wants to talk about Eliza. <laughs> she is so funny. Like, I, uh, it <laughs> was you. just, uh, it was one of those things where kind of, I think everyone's got a piece of, her role as your mom and their mom in some way. And so it's just like, it's one of those things where it, it hits a little bit of that nerve. And so it's like, you could see this happening to you. Like I could see that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, anyway, so how did you end up working with the Roberts? Well, first I want to say the mother character is based on incidences with my real mom. So there are a lot of the things that are interwoven, the tech challenges, setting me up with Chris Evans, like wanting that, that's all real. And my mom's Southern. I, Eliza had to play Southern and so did Eric. And so there's a lot of that. 
my mom's not intrusive like Eliza's character Bertha is doing, but um, just totally clueless. My mom's not that, but it was a very fun character to write and she nailed it. And I think we did really well together because I have to just be like, mom, what the hell are you doing? Instead of like, oh, this is all fine or whatever, you know, kind of thing. But she's, she steals the show. I mean, I get told, oh my God, you're good. But Eliza, man. And I'm like, I told Eliza that the other day. I was like, you're just taking like all my thunder. And she was like, oh no, honey, you, you did great. You know, gave me all this kind of praise about how I played it, but she stands out. She's awesome on it. And that's what, that's what I want with each of the characters in there that I wrote are supposed to be outlandish and entertaining because a lot of these shots are locked off. You're just sitting in front of a webcam or a computer or whatever kind of thing. And so you have to be stimulated enough to sit there for the five, eight minutes, 15 minutes for the finale. And if we were both just like, you know, nobody's going to want to watch Talking Heads. So they had to be very quirky and fun. As far as the Roberts, they actually submitted for the roles. And this, we filmed this during lockdown when everybody was in pods. I hadn't like left my apartment forever. I mean, it was, and we were only casting based on who lived together. So any of the roles that had more than one person that I'd written, they had to actually live together or be in a pod together. And that made it very much a challenge because often you'll just finding the one actor is hard enough. And now you had to have two that both act and can nail the roles. But I really felt because my character Mackenzie dates is heterosexual. So she's dating all men and I'm very much behind trying to empower women and helping women. I wanted woman roles in there. So I had to like try to maneuver. How can I get women in there? And the mom was one of them. And when they submitted, we just thought there's no way there's no way they're going to do this. You know, this is just, this is so such a small production in our eyes, you know, they're, I mean, Eric Roberts has been nominated for an Oscar. He's been on huge, huge stuff. So I was like, Meh. and then it just kept being these like, all right, well, we'll see if they'll audition. And I'm like, there's no way they're going to audition there. I mean, Eric's beyond. And I had some other people that actually submitted their agents submitted them that were like celebrities in the nineties. And I was like, Ooh, I, I remember so-and-so. And I would say, okay, can so-and-so audition? And they'd be like, oh, they're direct offer only. They don't audition. And so I thought, okay, you know, Eric's definitely going to be on that level of like, you can just give me an offer. I'm not auditioning. And they auditioned and we were like, what? And we just put actually Eric's audition, one of he submitted to on Instagram yesterday or so. And we're going to put Eliza's up. Eliza was hysterical. She did like four and there didn't, she didn't need to do four auditions. It was like, she was like, oh, and I could sit here and I could do this and da, 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 da. And like, and then they're reading for each other. So she gets, she plays, if you saw episode four, the mm -hmm. French guy, She's reading for Eric as the French guy and her accent is so like over the top French. It's hysterical. Like she's off camera and you just hear her talking French and you're like, eh. and then when he's off camera, you're like, Eric Roberts is reading for Eliza. Like, that's crazy. So anyway, it was just like, and then we thought they weren't, there's no way they'll do this. And then they did it and they were so, they've been so supportive. They've said this is one of their all-time favorite projects and they really are behind independent film. And Eric said several times during the shoot, this is just so neat what you girls are doing here. This is because we were really figuring it out. How can we still film with everybody in their houses? Like it was a hundred percent remote. The kit with the gear and everything got dropped off at the actor's house. And then they had to do everything. They had to set up lights, do the camera, do the sound, pair, makeup, set design, everything. So it's not like Netflix was doing 100% remote, but then the crew was like sitting outside in a van if something went wrong. And ours were like, you know, we got Star, who's the other producer, is in Hungary doing producing from there. And then we're all over. We got actors in New York and North Carolina and it was, it was crazy. And initially I thought that we were just going to do it via Zoom and we could just record. And I wrote it for webcams and all that. And then we quickly found out we could not do a production where it looks really good quality on Zoom. And no, audio it looks stuff. amazing. I wouldn't, it doesn't look like a pandemic production. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. what, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it looks, which you just described. So you went out of your way to have it be like that professional of a shoot. I will say, let's let's talk about episode four for a second. So the uh, Nico, the French guy, uh, this is like, I think this is the one where Eric Roberts is in 
That's just like, is, is this his first, first episode? Or he's, first one, yeah, yes. So, he comes again, though. Mm-hmm. So I started watching it. I watched the whole thing. But like the first time I watched it, I got, something called me away. And I came back. And I went back too far, which I was glad because it was only for a split second that I noticed his his username on the on the whatever he uses Zoom on the thing was Fly Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and like I didn't I didn't catch that the first time. I uh-huh. for some reason I thought that was really funny. I know because he's a pilot, but the but I thought that was just a funny little detail. Thank you. And when he asked, well, I don't give it. Well, what his interaction with Nico? I don't give away the joke, but like his interaction. <laughs> so funny i yeah. like how that just rabbit holes into a different direction like with, yeah. with the, their relationship really yeah. funny really really yeah, thank really you funny. so you're a great writer well thank you i mean i didn't i hadn't really seen eric i know he's done a bazillion movies and whatever but i hadn't ever seen him do comedy and so when he did the audition I was, we were all like whoa he's amazing and later on i said to eliza like i don't really i've never seen him do comedy and she said yeah he doesn't really get that but I think he started out first in comedy, but then he gets cast as like in the dark knight as the mob boss, and right. like he's just the bad dude. Except for I think Righteous Gems Gemstones. I haven't watched that, but that's a comedy. I don't know if he's I think he's still the bad guy. So it was really awesome to see him. I mean, he embraces us and he's hysterical. Like Yeah, he's he's funny in, in Righteous Gemstones. I, yeah, and you're right. He always he's 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 a heavy. Because yeah. he, he's got that face that can go either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's what, oh, so my only Eric Roberts story is at a Comic-Con. He was at the uh, Detroit Motor City Comic-Con one year, many, many years ago. We were at the urinals at the same time. Because <laughs> I, I always tell people, I go, I was at the urinal. And Eric, the, did you talk to him? No, I didn't talk to him. But he oh was right God. there. We were separated. And we, were, we, we went to the bathroom at the exact same time. Oh. That's such, I'll tell him that I'm, I'm going to see him next week and I'll share that there, that, that you remember that's a moment in your head. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you normally, you don't remember, you know, yeah. bathroom outings and, and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't aware of it because to him, yeah. he's just some guy who I hope doesn't bother me while I'm going yeah. to the bathroom right. standing next to me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm peeing next yeah. to Eric Roberts. I know. He's so talented. I mean, he, I've heard that he can do like three movies in a day and he just nails it. Like you look at just how great he is. It was so awesome to get them to act together. Cause I don't know that they get to be in stuff together. So it was a beautiful thing that the wife and husband, and he adores her. I mean, he would say stuff on zoom and he's like, my wife is so beautiful. Look at her. And it's just like, we're all melting. All of us women are like, yeah. I want that, you know, so, it's an so adorable, it was awesome to get them. Yeah, it's oh, an ador- they're an adorable couple. And it's like, and so the bonus for you is that they already naturally have that chemistry between each other, yeah. right? So oh, yeah. it's funny. It's funny you mentioned him doing 10 movies in a day because I just, I looked at his IMDb and as under filming, I think he's got 20 and then like another 10 under pre-production. And there's, there was 15 under post-production. Yep. <laughs> Like his it's IMDb insane. of stuff that hasn't even come out yet is longer than most people's entire IMDb for an entire career. I know. He just loves working. And, you know, I, I read like the Vanity Fair article about him and he ended up saying that he was and people were like saying, well, he's a B movie actor and we're putting him down for that. And then it turned into, well, I'm not the guy that does everything. I'm the guy that can do anything. Kind of, and he, I mean, he, I, he nails stuff. I'll tell you when we got this into one of our post-production guys found out Eric Roberts was in it. He lost his mind and he was so excited because he was a big fan of Eric back in the days of martial arts, which I didn't even know Eric did all that, but he was like, "Ah, Eric Roberts. Oh my gosh. And it was like, Oh my God. I mean, I knew him first with Batman. So that's where he was recognizable to me. Right, right, right. His daughter is great too. Yeah. And his sister is Julia's sister, or were they? Mm-hmm. Are they okay, I didn't know. They, I, for some reason, I thought maybe they were. Okay, no, he got he got Julia her start. She he like he was already becoming like a big actor, and he walked into the talent agency in New York and said, "Who's going to sign my sister?" And so she took off, and then obviously Emma took off. So oh, you're right. You're right. One. I don't know why I thought they were. I knew they were related, but I didn't for some reason. Okay, yeah. Thanks for putting me in place. You're welcome. <laughs> Any more Robert's family history, let me know. <laughs> and I will say, I wanted to go back and say, because you mentioned when we were talking about Eliza earlier, her, her kind of popping. But I that 
is part that is and much to you. I mean, to write the character and to allow her to come off the page like that, you know, that's that's a credit to you. Oh, so, thank you. I appreciate. It. Well. I mean, it it's fun. It's one thing to write it, but the actor has to give life to it. And and I really wanted people to improv. That's very important. And so I, it was like some of the times we were riffing off each other and same with Eric, like his whole thing about the shirt and the first class guy putting his shirt on, you know, we had to give me, get me out of the shirt and put the seatbelt over his head was all like improv. So oh, there, that's it's funny. That's funny. Yeah, it's fun. That's really cool. And then how, how many episodes total are there going to be? There are nine, one through eight are roughly between five to eight minutes. And then episode nine is about 15 minutes, the finale. And we all like keep going through, like, I think this is my favorite. No, this one's my favorite. And it's really hard to be like, cause I think they're very different. There's all these are very different. So I feel like nine is definitely one of my favorite episodes, but I have others too. So it's, I can't pick one, but I, nine's awesome. I mean, hands down, everybody in the team really loves Nine. They all become your babies. And so you don't know, you know, it's like, but collectively. So what kind yeah. what, once you have this, this body of work, these nine episodes, do you shop it to festivals or like, what's the, what's the next step to try and get awareness? I mean, besides blowing up after this podcast. Right. That's it. This was it. This was the goal and I'm here. So thank you, Jeff. Yes, my, my, public, <laughs> my publicist gave me a list. It just said Jeff Dewaskin's podcast. And that was it. Yeah. it was, I'm like, yeah. isn't there? It's like, no, it's, we're good. So <laughs> That's all you need. You're golden. That's what happened. So thank you. Um, well, uh, yes, there is one. There's a couple festivals that we may enter. But the, the interesting thing is I've done a lot of short films. I'd never done a full on web series, but it is short content. And the real estate for or I guess the distribution real estate for short content is a lot smaller than it was like when I did as in Kevin. So before I could get as in Kevin on Amazon prime, I could get it on funny or die. I could get it on the other. Now they've stopped all that. So really the options for short content are getting fewer instead of more, which is frustrating. And so you have YouTube, of course you have Vimeo and Roku's the only one right now that takes, I mean, of known, I know there's littler stuff and whatnot, but of big things uh, that takes short content. So like, you know, Apple, Netflix, Hulu, none of them right now take it. And maybe that'll shift at some point. So it makes it really hard from the standpoint of, you just don't have a lot of places. You've got to do your own promotion. It's not like Apple buys it and then they're putting all the marketing into it. So our goal would be after the doing all this press and getting people a buzz going on about it, that I hope that somebody from Amazon or uh, HBO or a streamer or a studio sees it as a proof of concept for us to do the spinoff. And then we can go make that. So, I mean, really all in all, you don't make money from short stuff. And uh, it's really kind of like a, a proof of concept to go, this is what I could make or whatnot. So it's really just to get exposure. So any of your viewers go watch, like, subscribe, share, please. Cause that's what we really need. Yeah, well, absolutely. I'll put all the links in the, in the show notes and all that. And I'll mm -hmm. tweet it out as well. When, uh, when this goes live, I appreciate it. I'll put a link to as in Kevin also, because okay. I think, I think that Thank was you. really funny. And, uh, but yeah, definitely everyone check out pandemic pillow talk. It's, it's really, really funny. It's really well done. Summer more deserves all your eyeballs and ears. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I, you know what you might find interesting is the alien guy, alien man and as in Kevin that I go on the date with. Do you remember him? He's the guy who's like, wants to talk about aliens the whole time and has the alien oh, yeah, shirt. Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Okay. I had put him in, I made him like a reoccurring character. So he's in the warning, he's in the karma of happiness and he's an as and Kevin and he's always alien man. And he always wears that shirt and he plays different dudes like in as and Kevin, where he's like just wanting to talk all about aliens and whatever. And so for, I would just kept putting him in all of my stuff. He's a good friend of mine now, but first I had just cast him for the warning. And so that's a fun little tidbit of the alien man character. But that, oh, that's funny. Yeah, the the firefighter cracked me up with the um, the apartment tour because I was like thinking to myself, do not but do, do not do an apartment tour. Like I I didn't know I didn't know exactly where you were gonna go with it, but I knew there was a million bad ways that a single person's apartment. <laughs> 
it could go uh, wrong. I'm like, oh that's God. So funny. This is like a nightmare. Yeah, do it. It, uh, it was a lot of work to like get him to move around because you gotta think there's no crew to do lighting and him having to work the camera and act. And I mean, everybody who worked on this as the actors had to like do a lot. So I mean, it's big props to every single actor. I mean, of course, everybody that worked on it, but the actors, like this was literally the hardest production I have ever had to be on because of all the different things I had to do alone in my apartment, you know? Well, Um, the output's amazing. It's hilarious. Well-written, well-produced. Thank you. I guess it was directed well as well. We don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Whoever directed it, kudos to whoever directed it. We had five women. We had five different directors. It was really important for us to try to get women and to spread the love so it wasn't just one director. Well, they were all amazing. And Thank you. it was great. I know we joke. We somehow we created this director theme joke around our thing. So here we are. But no, everyone definitely check it out. It's awesome. Summer Mort, Thank you so much for hanging with me. Yeah. Thank you. Besides YouTube to watch Pandemic Pillow Talk, where can people follow you on the socials? Well, our our handle is a pan, at Pandemic Pillow Talk, and our website's pandemicpillowtalk.com, where you can watch all the episodes, the trailer, see bios and junk like that. And then my Instagram got hacked recently, so I'm starting all over again, which is like really depressing because I had a nice following that I worked really hard to get. And now I'm back at like 100 followers, so it's awesome. But if you really want to follow me <laughs> on my 100 followers, don't, don't get like scared. Like, ooh, why does she only have 100? But my handle is the summer of happiness. But you can find me on Pandemic Pillow Talk and then go from there. All right. So the lesson for everyone is uh, two-factor authentication. Everyone go turn that on right now, including Summer (laughs) Moore, who I'm guessing didn't on her new one. But uh, keep fighting the fight because I had a friend who lost his, had like a huge one, and I think he's close to getting it back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because I, they won't respond. I want to talk to you when we hang up here. Cause I don't know what to do at this point. I'm like, all right, we'll I'm, talk. We'll talk. I'm depressed. It's Jeff. It's, it's a hor- Yeah. It, it, I don't I brought this up. Your flashback about your feet. No, I, let's, this let's will get to helpful. something else. Something positive. We gotta get, to- I know my feet size, <laughs> like, know, man, man, I am the worst. All yeah. right. <laughs> now, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. All right. How amazing is Summer Moore? It's so great. You got to check out Pandemic Pillow Talk. And most important, what we all need to do is rally around and help Summer with her new Instagram. There's a link in the show notes, but it's The Summer of Happiness. Instagram.com slash The Summer of Happiness. We all know someone who's been there that got hacked and lost an amazing account, whether it be Instagram or any of the socials. So let's give her a hand, give her a follow. You'll know you're at the right place. The summer of happiness. You'll see a picture of her smiling face. Happy to see you there. And check out Pandemic Pillow Talk, pandemicpillowtalk.com. There's a link to the YouTube from there, but also in the show notes. You can tell I'm a big fan of Summer Moore. Love creators, love help supporting other creators and their good work. Everyone, hug a creator today. All right. Well, with the interview complete, that means we are ready for the trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. Download the free hashtag roundup app at the Google Play Store, Apple iTunes app store. The hashtag roundup app is free, totally free. Doesn't cost you a penny. Play along with us. Never miss a game. And one day, one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. Today's hashtag is hashtag there won't be a second date if... What? A dating tag? Could this be somehow inspired by Summer Moore's Pandemic Pillow Talk online dating web miniseries? Of course it is. Hashtag there won't be a second date if by acidic blonde tags, a regular on hashtag roundup. This hashtag is sort of a complete the sentence. So hashtag there won't be a second date if that's sort of the beginning of the sentence. And then part of the game is you just finish the sentence. All right. So let's read a bunch of these off. Inspire you. Then you head over to Twitter and tweet your own hashtag. There won't be a second date if tweet. I'll show you some Twitter love. All right, here we go. There won't be a second date if you like feet. Feet are not for everyone. There won't be a second date if you smother yourself in Axe body spray. Wait a minute. 
There won't be a second date if you move too fast. Some people got moves. You just got to slow them down. There won't be a second date if you're wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> Why was there even a first date? There won't be a second date if you don't read books. Everyone's got their own line. There won't be a second date if I have to be the designated driver. Again. There won't be a second date if you only talk about yourself. But I'm fascinating. There won't be a second date if you lack critical thinking skills. There won't be a second date if you eat too much cheese. How much cheese is too much cheese? The world may never know. There won't be a second date if you show up late to the first. Time is important. There won't be a second date if you left me with the bill. (laughs) Got to talk about the finances up front. There won't be a second date if at the restaurant you blow your nose into a cloth napkin. Oh boy, that's gross. And our final, there won't be a second date if, tweet, there won't be a second date if you have more baggage than airport lost and found. Oh, all right. A lot of reasons out there. A lot of people do not get past a first date. Online dating. I just like to thank my wife, who I've been married to for many, many, many decades, for keeping me out of the dating pool. But good luck to everyone else. I'm waving to you from the sidelines. As always, all those tweets are retweeted at Jeff Jawaskin Show. Go find them. Show them some love. Tweet your own. I'll show you some Twitter love. But with the hashtag game now over and the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. Episode 130 of Classic Conversations has come to an end. Can you believe it? Time just flew. What is it they say about having fun? Oh, yes, I remember now. I'd like to thank my special guest, Summer Moore. And, of course, I'd like to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.